So Galatians 5, 26 to 6, verse 5. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word today, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. Praise in your name. Amen. So we've spent the fall looking at this book, this letter from Paul to the church in Galatia. And there's been discussion about the law, even more discussion about the gospel, and then how the gospel has set us free from the demands of the law, that our works are not salvific, they can't save, but they're out of love, out of a desire to please God and to live as he wants us to. There have been many applications of this revelation, this grace, from Old Testament stories involving Abram, Hagar, and Sarai, to the idea of freedom, and what that means for us as a people saved by grace. Each of these applications have been vertical. Each one has been from God to us. It's been vertical. They affect our relationship to and with God. And today our passage begins to make horizontal applications. Horizontal meaning from us to others. Our neighbor, our friend, our enemy. Horizontal applications aren't nearly as fun. It's invigorating and encouraging to hear about how God has restored us, how we no longer need to wear the shackles of the law, how our relationship with him is mended because of his promise, because of his doing, and not of our own accord. It can be harder to hear how God desires our new standing to affect our relationships with our brother and sister, our fellow humans, our horizontal sphere. Matthew 18, chapter 21, verse 35 to verse, sorry, chapter 18, verses 21 to 35, tell the story of a man who owned a large, owed a large amount of money and could not pay back his lender. I think many of us are familiar with the story, but it's, it's the story of a, of a man that owed a ton of money to the king, owed a ton of money to, this, to, the, to the king. And he comes before the king and he's like, please forgive me. And the king's like, this, this is a massive amount of money, man. And I'm going to have to throw you in jail and you're going to be there the rest of your life paying this off. This is a ton of money. It, it's beyond your ability to pay. And he says, please have mercy on me. Please don't do this. Let me go back to my family. Please don't do this. And the king has mercy. And he says, yeah, 
I'm, I'm going to forgive you. Go on back to your family. Go on back to, to your life. I'm going to spare you this, this time in prison, this, this lifetime in prison. I'm going to forgive this debt that you cannot pay. Man, it's ecstatic. This is great. This is a good day. And he goes home and he wants to throw a party. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of ad-libbing a little bit here. But, but the end of the story really is, is that he goes to someone that owes him some money. It's like 200 bucks. It's not a lot. But it's more than that guy was able to pay at that point in time. And, and so, so this guy couldn't pay the man who has just been forgiven his debt. And so the man who has just been forgiven his debt says, All right, you can't pay me. You're going to jail until you can pay me all that stuff because I need this money. And the king hears that story and says, Wait a minute. I just forgive you something that you could never have repaid back. I forgive you this massive debt. And, and now you're after this guy's like this little amount of money? You're going to throw this guy in jail over this little amount of money after I just forgave you everything. In the same way, we rejoice that God has forgiven us. Just like this, this lender, right? This, this, this guy who, who owed the king money but then went to collect We rejoice that God has forgiven us, that he has kept his promise, and that we can be in communion with the Father. And yet, we still find it so enjoyable to watch others crash and burn, to collect on our our debts here. I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with the website Ashley Madison. If you're not familiar with the website, that's probably a good thing. Ashley, Ashley Madison is a website whose, whose slogan is, life is short, have an affair. It was, uh, it was a place where, where people could sign up anonymously. And I mean, it's, sadly, it's, it's still going today. But people could sign up anonymously. Their, their information would be protected. And then they would be matched with somebody else that was also looking to, to escape their marriage, to escape the, the, you know, whatever. I don't know what they were trying to escape. But it was basically an online site that would allow you to have an affair. Secretly, everything's, everything's top secret. That was, their, that was their slogan. That was their deal. Everything is, everything is top secret. We'll keep you safe. And you can gratify that desire of the flesh. You can get away with this. John Mraz of the National Post wrote an article on, on Ashley Madison. He said, Ashley Madison blossomed not just as a result of all the earned media. So people were freaking out about this, understandably. Freaking out that this site existed. That it was a place that, that actually was real. This is a place we can go to have affairs. Massive amount of, of publicity. People were freaking out about this, understandably. But... Because it served some sort of need, at least for the 83 million users that ultimately registered there, it, it eventually just kind of faded from view. It became something that we just understood. It, it functionally became the small town brothel no one spoke of, but everyone knew about. Now, a few years ago, back in 2015, some hackers got a hold of the lists. They were able to, they, they hacked into Ashley Madison's website 
and they got all of the information. The home addresses, the names, the email addresses, everything for all of the people that had signed up in this website. And they threatened to make it go public if they didn't shut the site down. And then they leaked it. Can you imagine? People were freaking out. Marriages were were falling apart. Guys were committing suicide because they didn't want to face the, the, the consequences of the sin that they had committed. This is a really big deal. And, and, and as people were looking, like there was websites that were publishing the list and going after people, public officials. I mean, people from politicians to your, your everyday dad at home. It was a massive spectrum. All over the spectrum were people that had signed into this website because of its anonymity, because of its security, because they could. And these, the hackers just, I mean, they were able to get in and they published all of it and lives were falling apart. And I mean, this is a story that we love, isn't it? Not that we love adultery, not that we support sin, but it's... It's kind of fun to see others get caught. It's like, that's a bad thing. What you're doing is not something good. It's kind of nice to see some some justice. It's good to see some consequence doled out. It's kind of fun to see others get caught. There's a sense of enjoyment when others get caught. And like a car crash, man, I just, I can't look away. I want to know exactly how these people are going to burn. There's a disgusting, wretched element of my sinful self that wants to know all the gruesome details. Are we familiar with the Duggar family? They had a, they had a, a series on TLC for a while. It started off as 17 and counting. And, and during the course of the show, they ended up having two more kids. And so it became 18 and counting and then 19 and counting. They're, they're a very... Uh, conservative Christian family that basically had a reality show on, on TLC. And they, I mean, they came under a bunch of fire from a different, bunch of different things. They were very, very conservative. And they were aired. I mean, they were a very popular show. A lot of people tuned in. They were the most popular show on TLC for a while. And then they came under some, some scrutiny. Because at the time, Josh Duggar, one of the children, one of the oldest sons was all over the news for the wrong reasons because his email was one of those uncovered in the Ashley Madison revealing. So there are secular people, friends of mine, that are all over uh, social media, all over Facebook, rejoicing at this revelation. Goody two-shoes Christian, man, he's getting what's coming to him now. He thinks he's better than me. He thinks he's... You know, he's, he's got all this stuff going on. He's got this Christian life going on. He thinks he's better than what I am. Ha! You're just like me. Holier than thou Christian is actually a worse person than I am. He's on Ashley Madison, cheating on his wife. There's something about humanity that is drawn to watching and reveling in the consequences of the mistakes that others have made. In his article on Ashley Madison, John Mraz concludes, We can, as neighbors and friends, mind our own business. 
and let families work this out on their own. We can admit that we all sin and judge a little less. And we can forgive. For it's the shame and the, for it's the, shame and the collective hypocrisy that informs us all, that gives these miscreants their power. Because with or without Ashley Madison, folks will sometimes stray. And right now, those hackers are living in pretty big glass houses. And I don't want to join them. The author makes some good points in his closing of his article. If we would stop paying so much attention, the people we've been watching might actually be able to get around to putting their lives back in order. He admits that people don't need a website to commit adultery. He emphasizes the importance of forgiveness. He highlights the hypocrisy that we exhibit by watching the building burn and warming ourselves by the fire and then going home to our own sin-laden lives. But what does he miss? What does he miss? He misses a huge point. I mean, there are a few things that fall short here. But there is a really big one that is specifically relevant to us as we look at our passage this morning in Galatians. We should not just turn a blind eye and let them figure it out on their own. Chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. It doesn't say, brothers and sisters, when it comes to light that someone has been caught in sin, watch them suffer. It doesn't say, brothers and sisters, when it comes to light that someone has been caught in sin, rebuke them haughtily. It says, brothers and sisters, when someone is caught in sin, restore them and do so gently. They are vulnerable, they are hurting. And the ones that have been sinned against are hurting. Go to them, comfort them, restore them, and please do so with gentleness. Verse 2 says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Assist your brother or sister. Help them carry the burden that they bear. In doing so, you are being Christ to that person. You are showing them the love of Christ. You are extending grace in a horizontal way. And yet this instruction seems to contradict later in the passage. For the final verse in this passage can be somewhat confusing, and yet unpacking the relationship between these two is essential to our understanding of how we can be used effectively by God in bearing each other's burdens, in following what Paul is commanding us to do here. Notice how in verse 2 we are asked to bear each other's burdens, and yet in verse 5 we are told that each one is instructed to carry their own load. How, How do these two verses relate? How are they not contradictions? The Greek word used for burden means heavy weight. But it's a different Greek word that is used for load, and that word is translated to something closer to what we would refer to as a backpack. So on one hand, we have a heavy burden. On the other, we have a backpack. Let's take a look at verse 5 first. Each one should carry his own load. Tim Keller says that from this verse, we learn that God has given each of us 
A different set of difficulties and opportunities. A different set of weaknesses and gifts. These are our load, our responsibility before our God. Each of us is different. Each of us has different talents and different life circumstances. Some of us may be born into affluent families, others into the middle class, others into poverty. Some of us may have a mother and father in our lives. Some may just have one parent. Some are without both our parents. Some of us have excellent work opportunities and have come along and have flourished and some have had to work what jobs we could to get by our entire lives. Some of us are born with genetic difficulties and others are physically healthy for our whole known existence. We each have a load. We each have a backpack of life that we carry, a set of circumstances that we live in. And how do we maintain, how do we carry on with this backpack? What is it that Paul has been drilling into us, into the Galatians in this book? That we are able to live in the promise that we are able to live in the promise. God has made us a promise. No matter what our circumstances in life, no matter the difficulty, no matter how how many times we trip and fall because of the shape or size of our backpack of life, then none of that will disqualify us from heaven for the work has already been done. Christ on the cross, the work has already been been done. And so we can bear our load with confidence. We can carry our own load because of the vertical relationship. The relationship that we have with God enables us to do so, and we rest in that. As we take comfort and shelter in His promises, we are able to then assist our brothers and sisters. Verse 2, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Our vertical relationship overflows into our horizontal relationships. The grace that God has shown us spills into our relationships with our fellow man. It's like you're a cup, right? And he's, he's pouring his grace into us. And God has unlimited grace and love. He's pouring into our little cups and then our cups overflow. And that overflowing of grace is to spill, to nourish, to feed and to bless our neighbor, our fellow man. As we are overcome by the grace of God, we recognize our sin and our unworthiness. And yet God has granted us grace in spite of us. And so we spill into our relationships with those that we come into contact with. We spill the grace of God into the relationships of those that we come into contact with. By the grace of God, we are able to assist each other in bearing burdens, in bearing heavy weight. The family that just lost everything in the hurricanes that flooded the south and the fires that ravaged the west. The family that lost a young mother 
the family that is going through a divorce, the young woman who just had an abortion, the older man who was and is being publicly stoned for participating in the online brothel, Ashley Madison. Some of these situations rightly garner deep sympathy and a desire to help. And for others, it can be tempting to look at those involved with disgust and a serves-you-right mentality. But when we glance at the skeletons in our own closet, the truth of what our predicament used to be, and how on a large scale it really is no different, we need grace just as badly as anyone else, just as bad as the husband caught in adultery and the murderer on death row. And in some ways, it can be easier to give grace to those who are not Christians. They didn't know better, right? To reach out, to evangelize. Sometimes it can be easier to give grace to the lost and withhold it from our Christian brother. Christians should know better. Josh Duggar deserved all he got because he knows better, right? James chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer ordered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. How comfortable are we in confessing to our brothers and sisters in Christ? Verse 17, Elijah was a human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly, then no rain would fall. None fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. And 19, my brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of sins. Confession, prayer, and restoration. While our first inclination may be to throw out the phrase, you should have known better, this would be a very flawed and hypocritical inclination. In fact, we are supposed to do exactly the opposite. We should be able to confess our sins to each other. And as we confess, our brothers and sisters surround us and help us bear the burden of our situation. That doesn't mean we are spared the consequences. It's important to remember that as well. The men involved in Ashley Madison, there will be consequences, and rightfully so. There will be consequences on this earth and in this time. If I'm caught speeding, I pay a ticket. There's a consequence for that. If I kill somebody, I'm going to jail. There's a consequence for that. But God doesn't love me any less. 
And as Christian and brothers and sisters, we shouldn't be loving those who fall into these things any less. But praying with them, restoring them gently. Each of us always has a backpack, and at times, each of us will always have a burden. Some burdens we bring on ourselves. Ashley Madison is a burden you bring upon yourself. The consequences and what that looks like in your life, that's something you brought upon yourself. And some are thrust upon us. A young mother dying in, in childbirth, that's, that's thrust upon you. That's hard stuff, man. But whatever the burden, God's grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. And God has commissioned us. He has, in his infinite grace, decided to use us as his ambassadors in his mission to reach the lost and to comfort our brothers and sisters in the faith. And so we let the grace that he has given us in our vertical relationships spill over into our horizontal relationships. What a wonderful God we serve. What a wonderful gospel he has given us. What a wonderful promise we have in Christ. Our God is so good and his grace is so sufficient. Amen.